With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football advice, speculation, and whatever stupid stuff they decide to drop into the show. Now here's your host, Paul Charchian. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian. My co-host this week is Matt Harrison. It's been a while, Explosive Output. Yeah, like six months. <laughs> That's a long time. You know, I got to get warmed up for the regular season, season the preseason shows. August is coming. Yeah, you'll be back in full rotation in a couple of weeks. Yeah, draft season. Back when we were back to our two-hour fantasy Format. football yeah. weekly bonanza yep. every week. This is, uh, is going to be one of our final two short versions. We're continuing our tour around the divisions in the NFL, breaking down each division and providing an outlook for what we expect this year from each of the four teams, and in this case, the NFC South, with with breaking news on Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. That just came down today. We record on Fridays, and we'll uh, we'll talk through that in just a few minutes. Um, and that's uh, that's the format that we like we like to use. As a quick reminder, before we jump into the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. Matt. Uh, guillotine leagues up and running at guillotineleagues.com. And I completed one. Yeah. I was in the Scott Fishbowl. Awesome. Uh, super guillotine league. Super chop. Yep. It's, it's a very different experience there because it's a 12 team mm-hmm. draft. The super chop leagues are, are 12 team leagues, 12, 12 team leagues, mm-hmm. uh, 144 total players, but your league is just 12 teams. So you have a pretty regular feeling draft. Yeah. You don't feel like. You're drafting junk in the seventh round. Right. You feel like you're like, okay, this is a good fantasy good, right. team. I can go to war with this. Yep. And the, and so it feels good. It does. <laughs> the traditional guillotine league with 18 teams. You get deep and you get you dirty. Do. The guys at the bottom, you're like, oh. Like, but the, why would I ever start this player? <laughs> right. <laughs> but the thing is, everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. And, of course, with the guillotine league, one weekend, somebody's getting chopped, and there's, here comes all that team. That whole roster's coming to the waiver wire, so your team gets better fast, but it's a very different draft experience. Well, let me ask you, Charge. If you were in a guillotine league and you had the first overall pick, who would you pick? Travis Kelsey. 
Okay. I, I, I would go Patrick Mahomes just because I feel so much safety with him. But Kelsey's definitely in consideration yeah. for me. I, I can get a good quarterback That's true. much, much later. I yep. can't get a good tight you end. You can't get one like that. And I, I can't even, you know, if, if you think there's three really good tight ends, uh, by the time I get back to pick one, they're all gone. They're gone. All three of them are gone. They're and probably so, gone first yeah. round, early second. Yep. Yep. So Absolutely. I could go Travis Kelsey. And for the people that are just, yeah, I have to have a running back. You go Travis Kelsey, running back, running back. Yeah. Um, and you'll be in. You'll be in pretty good shape. You'll be fine. Yeah. So that's that's what I would do. Check out the Chop Podcast, by the way. Uh, that is our sister podcast dedicated to guillotine leagues and and our discussion. Coincidentally, Matt, on this week's Chop is. What to do if you're at the other end of that draft? Oh, what sure. What if you're in like 16, 17, 18? What is your, what's the draft strategy for the end of the first round? Well, in my super chop, I was number 11. Out of 12. Out of 12. And I happened to fall into Patrick Mahomes, so I was uh-huh. delighted. Okay. <laughs> All right. Patrick Mahomes there. Well, if, yeah. If you, were, if you consider him at one, <laughs> yeah. then yes, you yeah. should be very happy All to get All for him safety there. in the first few rounds it of is. the guillotine And leagues. see, if, if Patrick Mahomes... I think there's a coin flips chance he's sitting on a 50 touchdown season. And if you think that's going to happen, he gives you just like week in and week out bonanza points. Well, I tweeted this a while ago. There's a year coming where Patrick Mahomes just blows up every record. It's going to happen one of these years. It has to. Is it this year? Is it next year? Like, but when is it? It's going to happen. So I was just in Las Vegas, and I made all of my season-long Vegas bets. Yep. I can't, I'm in Minnesota, live in Minnesota, and I can't make bets, uh, mm-hmm. football bets in Minnesota. So I placed all my season-long ones, and my bet on the Chiefs was not Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. like 6-1. to one. Um, It was not their even-money win total because you had to go over, like, 13 and a half games. Sure. It's Andy Reid to win Coach of the Year, 20-1. to one. If you and I, the thinking being they could be a 15, 16, 17 win team, and then they and have Andy to Reed give it has to, to get has to, have to give it to Andy Reid. Absolutely, and I got him at twenty to one instead of like six to one to make the Super Bowl. And Andy Reid doesn't have a good shot of winning Coach of the Year because they always seem to give it to somebody who's up Stefanski. and coming. Yeah, yeah right, you know, right. That, that, that the sex that that is usually how it goes. But the if sex. you win, <laughs> well, it is Kevin Stefanski. Have you seen it? <laughs> that is a good looking man. I can say that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Anyway, a, a significant diversion from oh, the Carolina okay. Panthers, which might be a good thing. Uh, We're coming out of the gate with the least interesting of the NFC South teams, I think. Well, I mean, we get to start with Christian McCaffrey, who by ADP is one first one player overall. Yes. Um, I actually have him as number two on my cheat sheet. Who do you um, have as? And by the way, at shockfantasy.com. Yeah, at we shock encourage people to go there, all of your cheat sheets. Uh, who do you have number one then? I have Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, Cook as my number one player okay. right now. Uh, but CMC, uh, we, we've seen this before. He was 1-1 last year, mm-hmm. and he was probably the safest looking 1-1 <laughs> yeah. coming out of any year that maybe we've ever seen since Ladanian. And then, you know, he gets injured. He looked great in the couple of games that we did see him. Right. But the downside is, is... Do we see another year of injuries? Because it was multiple injuries to McCaffrey, mm-hmm. too, last year. So there's more than one thing that can go wrong with him. So, I mean, we're going to talk the riskiest and highest upside plays, but put a pin in that guy right there because yeah. we're going to come back to him. And one of the other real risks here for this whole offense is mm-hmm. arguably the NFL's worst offensive line for the yeah. Panthers. So, you know, they're starting Pat Elfline at left guard. Yep. He should not be in the NFL. We saw him in Minnesota for a long time. He should mm-hmm. certainly not be a starter. 
um, John Miller, Taylor Moten, Cameron Irving. I mean, this they have scrubs up and down the offensive line, and that probably played into the safety of Teddy Bridgewater last year, mm-hmm. where you know little dink and dunk, high percentage throws for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they passed fifty nine percent of the time last year, which was top half of the league. Yeah. So, um, and and that makes sense with Christian McCaffrey being a guy who can catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. Obviously, Mike Davis kind of filled that role last year. He's in Atlanta now. We'll talk yeah. about him later. But we got a new quarterback in town. That's Sam Darnold. He gets his uh, second lease on life. He was the third overall pick in 2018 and started 13, 13, and 12 games in his uh, three-year career with the Jets. So he had mm-hmm. three games with more than two touchdown passes. That, that's just that's not that's good. Tough. <laughs> that's tough. I mean... It's Teddy Bridgewater-like numbers, but I think Darnold obviously gives you a little bit more upside. So uh, the Panthers looked at him and viewed him as a guy who might be better than anybody they could get in the draft. Remember, the Panthers drafted eighth this last year, right, and right. they passed on Justin Fields. Yeah, they and they, so, yeah, they, they and they could have had both, which is what I would have done just to insulate you know yourself in case Sam Darnold doesn't work out, and you give Justin Fields a year to learn. And so that's what I'd have done. But, you know, Panthers. By the way, let me just – the Panthers, we were talking about the offensive line, except mm-hmm. full of scrubs. Sure. They just signed Taylor Moten to a huge deal. Way overpaid him. <laughs> Way, he's like the sixth highest well, paid tackle. Well, they must he is, think he's pretty good. They do think he's pretty good. But I still don't – I still think he's vastly, uh, vastly overrated. But go ahead. So upside for Darnold is definitely there. Uh, he's got a nice set of receivers. The three Panthers yes. wideouts finished amongst the top 24 at the position last season. As a whole, they were top 10 in fantasy points as a position group, despite totaling only 10 touchdowns as a group. Yeah, that is that is crazy, that's, that's isn't the it? fifth fewest, and the Patriots only had four. Yeah, well, that's Cam Newton right <laughs> Thanks, there, Cam for Newton. sure. You know, I think from a passing game, the hope here is that fleeing Adam Gase will do for Sam Darnold what fleeing Adam Gase did for Ryan Tannehill. Or anybody else <laughs> or who's got yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's some truth to that. Um, Curtis Samuel is gone, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's replaced by rookie Terrace Marshall nice Jr., mm-hmm. uh, who, of course, uh, joins DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson as high-end wide receivers. Moore is the most expensive right now. His ADP is around the 21st wide receiver off the board. Some people really like him a lot more. There's there's DJ Moore Bobos all over the fantasy industry. Yep. And he's mixed in with some very intriguing names like Adam Thielen and Cooper Cup right in that range in, in average draft position right now. Uh, in Dynasty, he's probably a top 10 wide receiver, but I don't know uh, if I like this I, price. To me, I can't, I can't have any Dynasty receiver in my top 10 when I can't tell you who the quarterback is going to be next year. I completely agree. I've you know downgraded most of my Steelers wide receivers for, for that, that exact Absolutely. reason right yeah. now. Um, but DJ Moore's only had four touchdowns in each of his first two seasons. And then Robbie Anderson's going three to four rounds later, which seems like a pretty good value. He's at I wide agree. receiver 33 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Explosive. Loaded out of the gates with back-to-back 100-yard games last year. Uh, tailed off was what was one of the better draft day steals of 2020. Pretty consistent. He finished with 95 catches and nearly 1,100 yards. And he's going in the range of guys like Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks. Those, yeah. those guys are right in that range. So um, I, I think that, that 
Anderson's probably in a pretty good spot. Now, what I like about Anderson, he's always been a deep ball guy. Yeah. And now he's got a quarterback who's got a deep arm. And you by know, the way, Teddy. Robbie Anderson's best season was with the Jets. Who was his quarterback? quarterback? Right. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. There and, we go. You, know, you take out the hundred or so touches that Curtis Samuel was getting. Yeah. And now I think An- I think Anderson's a pretty good value where he's going, as you mentioned, three, four rounds later than DJ Moore. Yeah. And. I mean, you have Terrace Marshall replacing Curtis Samuel. So some of that, that work funnels to Terrace Marshall, but he is a rookie. He's a rookie. Uh, yeah. He's six foot three, had a four three eight forty. Yeah, he's uh, going to so, be a deep threat, too. So he's going to be a deep threat, but do they use him a little bit like Curtis Samuel, maybe? I just think Samuel's so unique in what he did. And there's just, you know, there are only so many guys in that Curtis Samuel, uh, Percy Harvin, mm-hmm. Debo Samuel kind of mold. That you can't just drop, and Terrace Marshall isn't even isn't even built like those guys. Yeah, and then uh, you can't uh, can't spell Darnold without a D and, and an Arnold. Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry that Brian's not here to talk so, about his buddy Dan Arnold, right? Because you know, if he were here, we'd be talking about Dan Arnold as the obvious best player, most likely player to overachieve compared to his current ADP. It his would current be. ADP is tight end 33. <laughs> Correct. So <laughs> he probably I, will I think that. I do agree with, yeah. with Brian on that point there. Uh, last year, he was tight end 21, mm-hmm. missed a couple of games and only saw 45 targets. And for reference, guys like Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Dalton Schultz, Mike Gesicki, Dalton Schultz, wait, I said Dalton Schultz, Eric Ebron, they saw 90-ish targets. So if you double Dan Arnold's output alongside his targets, so 45 targets into 90, Mm -hmm. he's looking at 61 catches, 880, and 8 scores. Well, and, you know, it's not not impossible. I don't hate that. You know, will he get 90 targets? I don't think so. But, you know, I think the point that that Brian would probably make right now, were he here, is the efficiency of Dan Arnold on the the passes they did give him were very good. So, you know, maybe... Number one in the league amongst tight ends for average depth of target, 12.6 and ninth for yards after catch. That was Dan Arnold. That was There is some athleticism with him, but he's on his third team in three years. Teams don't keep him, but this a great opportunity and the middle of the field without Curtis Samuel is now kind of wide open. And so, you know, I, I like Dan Arnold as my second tight end. I do. Absolutely. And uh, people were saying things like... Like like we're saying about Dan Arnold, about mm-hmm. guys like Darren Waller a few years ago, and the guys like Logan Thomas, who yeah. kind of popped out of nowhere. Dan Arnold's a sneaky guy. Um, I'm going to agree with Brian that he has the most upside okay. uh, possible. And I think it goes without saying that Christian McCaffrey, drafting him at 1-1 or 1-2. Yeah, riskiest player. He is definitely the riskiest yeah. player because we saw what happened when it all goes wrong for Christian McCaffrey last year. Granted. If I'm still at one one or one two and he's on mm-hmm. the board, I'm happy to take him. But if 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 you are in my position and I'm at one one charge, don't you feel like you want to trade out of that one one this year, get to the middle of the first round and add some extra draft capital? I think the middle of the first round is the place to be. I do too. That's that's my to me that's the sweet spot of this particular year's draft. I I completely and, agree with you. you. Know, everybody always wants to move up. I would ride. I'd rather move back. And most of the time, if you're sitting at one 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 two one three, and you offer that up to somebody who's sitting at there five, will be six, motivated seven, eight, people. Yeah, they'll give you extra. Yep. You know they'll do more than just swap that. And by the way, the sneaky play on these deals always is so you're sitting at one one, and you want to move to the middle of the draft. Mm-hmm. Only make it a two round swap. 
Don't you don't need to make it an every round swap, just the two round swap. Okay. So, you know, now I've moved to the middle of the first round, in the middle of the second round, but I get like the first pick of the third round. Yeah. There that's you go. The, that's the sneaky angle that's, on making that's, that move. That's the way to do a it. Two round swap only. Um, all right. Any, I think that wraps up the Carolina Panthers. That's all we need to talk about with the Panthers. When we come back, we will talk about the, you know, let's get to, yeah, let's, let's talk Tampa Bay. Let's, let's talk, talk about the, the Super Bowl champions. champions. Yeah. When we come back, we'll take a quick break. Fantasy Football Weekly resumes in moments. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly, Paul Charchian, Matt Harrison with me. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Paul Charchian. He is at Explosive Output. That's true. Yes. Yeah. All You're all about the explosive output. <laughs> oh, well, I mean. Hey, look, you can't take that Twitter <laughs> handle and think that there's, there's not going to be some repercussions. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Uh, let's go to Tampa Bay. Bizarrely, Tampa returns every starting player and coach from their Super Bowl victory. Mm-hmm. This never happens. Never happens. It's it's unreal, really. Then there's little reason to believe that they're going to be any worse than last year. And this offense got better as the season went on and sure. was rocking in the playoffs. Yep. So the presumption is that they're going to pick up where they left off. And especially if they don't have Ongoing injuries to Mike Evans, who played hobbled all year. Mm-hmm. Ongoing injuries to Chris Godwin. Tom Brady playing with a torn MCL all season, as we now know. So oh. the hope here is that Tampa Bay's offense will be even better. Um, and the weird thing is, Matt, mm-hmm. almost everybody in this offense has an ADP that feels too low. Yeah, it feels like a team that you could definitely, especially in best ball, you could stack them very really easily. Could. Very you easily. really could. Uh, let's start with Tom Brady. We're not going to spend a lot of time on him because everybody knows everything there is to, about Tom Brady. Healthy knee now, uh, 40 touchdowns last year. Feels highly attainable this year. Again, especially if Evans and Godwin stay healthy. Downfield passing, though, is a growing worry. Last year, Brady finished 21st in completion percentage of passes 20 yards or longer and 29th in deep ball accuracy. Okay. 
Um, but he threw the most deep balls out of anybody in the league. So he made up for it with just sheer volume <laughs> of letting balls rip downfield, 94 deep passes last year. Now, the schedule is not very favorable. Most sites have got Tampa Bay with one of the hardest passing schedules in the league. But okay. at some point, you just don't care. And it's Tom Brady. He's going off the board at quarterback nine, and he finished his quarterback eight this year. Mm-hmm. And you feel like he should be no worse than that. Yeah, I feel like he's probably a top 12-ish guy for sure. He could, again, the 40 touchdowns last year feel attainable again here. Let's go to his wideouts. For all three of these guys, I think the danger is going to be that there's just not enough balls to go around some games. So some games it's just not a Mike Evans game. Some games it's just not a Chris Godwin game. Some games it's not Antonio Brown's game. And so there's going to be some highs and lows for all of these guys because they're all requisite of over 100 targets. Mm -hmm. And because of that, just some games aren't going to go your way. There gives them added risk in a guillotine format. Um, but for most of us, we're going to ride out the low games uh, because the high games will make up for it. And more often than not, they'll, these guys are going to be fine. Now, do you think charge with Antonio Brown only playing half of the games last mm-hmm. year, his inclusion in the offense with a full off season yeah. and, and his head in check and everything like that. Do you think he makes more of a dent in the offense this year? And we looked at Mike Evans get right around 100 targets last year. Mm-hmm. Chris Godwin was injured for a little while, so he got under the 100 target mark. Are we looking at three wide receivers maybe at the 90 target-ish? I think they're mark? all going to go over 100. Wow. Okay. I do. And let's talk about Antonio Brown since yeah. you brought him up first. So last year, as you mentioned, missed the first eight games of the suspension. Then he had a knee injury in the playoffs. But if we look at that window between mm-hmm. the, you know, the suspension <laughs> and the, the, the knee injury, once he got settled in, he was averaging six catches, 62 yards, and a little over half a touchdown per game. Yeah. That's pretty good production. And as a note, he had knee surgery in May, but he's mm-hmm. expected to start the season here. Uh, he's on a one-year contract, so he's highly motivated. He's making only $3 million. He's only 33 He's only well. right. That's, yeah, he's 33 years old. He's, he's not at the not, tail end of his mileage. career. It is. It really is. But he still feels third in the pecking order behind Evans and Godwin. Um, and last year he had a disappointing number of low target games in which he really had some flop games built into him. Right now, his ADP is wide receiver 33 in round nine. Uh, a lot of other unproven receivers are in that range. He's, mm-hmm. he's a pretty proven receiver, if nothing else, obviously, Antonio Brown. Through my early best ball drafts, he was mm-hmm. my highest rostered wide wow, receiver. Okay. Just right. because I, I kept getting him in like the 10th round. Right, yeah. It's like, I know. I, I think there are the, people. The are, upside there yeah. is, is just there. There are people who have just written off Antonio yeah. Brown completely, aren't drafting him, and I think that's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk Mike Evans, who played all 16 games last year, but played hurt through almost all of them. <laughs> I feel like Mike Evans is the new Julio Jones. It does feel a little that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope I hope it doesn't come to as quick a, a halt for Evans. Emerged as an infrared zone there we go. beast with Tom Brady. 14 targets from inside the 10-yard line. Yes. Second only to Devontae Adams, and he was successful with those targets, scoring a career-high 13 times last year, 15 if you include the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evans only produced two games without a touchdown or at least 56 receiving yards, so he ended up being very consistent over the course of the season. And ultimately, Matt, touchdowns are the are a fantastic equalizer. You know, touchdowns you can, are king. You can, touchdowns are king. You can mm-hmm. offset the two catch twenty yard game when one of them is a touchdown. And Evans had a had a bunch of those. So that is it's an it's a great equalizer. His ADP right now is wide receiver fifteen. Yep. 
That feels a little bit low to me. We'll maybe talk a little bit more that, okay. about that in a minute. Chris Godwin had the hamstring and finger injuries that derailed a lot of his season last year. But remember, he was going off the board at wide receiver seven at yeah. this time last year. And he's playing under the franchise tag, and that gives him extra incentive. And he's finally healthy. And now, and by the way, he's, he was finally healthy by the end of last year, and he surged in December and January. Yes. During those two months, he averaged 70 yards and almost a touchdown per game. Week 15 through the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he was great. And Tom Brady's got that long history of feeding his slot receivers. Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman. Absolutely. Those are, you know, when healthy, Godwin should see a lot of targets. His ADP is three spots after Mike Evans. They're going right next to each other. Oh, which one's the value on these wide I know. I mean, you said it at the onset. There's so much value in all of them. It's going to be really hard to pick the most upside player in this group. Let's go to tight end. Okay. We've got another value op- there's, there's opportunity some big here. Value, I so think. So Rob here. Gronkowski, um, you know, you're, you're drafting Gronk for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with Evans hogging a lot of them, Gronk is still a prime guy for red zone use. Yep. Forty four percent of the red zone targets last year went to Gronk. Okay. Which is awfully, it's an awfully high number. Um, his snaps are frustratingly low, usually around 50 to 55 per game, but that's still, that's still good enough to keep him on the field. Taking and mileage relevant. off those knees. Yeah, exactly. Um, it took him a while last year to get his feet underneath him after the year off, but if you look at Gronk from week six to week 17, he averaged five targets, three catches, 44 yards, and, and .6 touchdowns, and that's not bad. Now, you have to note, though, O.J. Howard played the first four weeks and was the top tight end on that roster for the first four weeks. Then he got injured. He had two touchdowns in the first four weeks. Mm -hmm. Gronk had zero touchdowns in the first four weeks. We could be seeing Tampa go back to O.J. Howard getting more snaps than Gronk on the field. That's my one drawback with Gronk this year is that maybe he's only an infrared zone player. And that's it. Now, in the Super Bowl, which I have reason to believe is a really important game. Seems important. Gronk scored twice. And yeah. they went, you know, they Tom Brady knows and loves Gronk. And I just think from it, if you want, for where he's going, um, where he's going, uh, to tight end 12, I think he gives you t- a touchdown potential every single game. Now, Tampa is not building their team to win us fantasy championships. They're building this team to win Super Bowls. They want to save Gronk <laughs> for the for end of the Super year, Bowl maybe. Because he's, he's been injured so many times at mm-hmm. the tail end of the year. I think they want to save him. It wouldn't surprise me if Gronk is used minimally in the first half of the season. I like your contrarian thinking, and it's not impossible, but O.J. Howard has to come back from an ACL. Yeah. He's he's been an underachiever since being a first-round pick his entire career. Okay. Cameron Brait's also there, but Brait was really not a factor at all last year. One touchdown. Um, I just think you have to know what you're in for, for for Gronkowski. Standard scoring leagues, I think he's still very valuable. PPR, you have to show some caution on yep. Gronk. All right, last thing, running backs. This turned into a very long discussion <laughs> on Tampa. But this is a, it's such a meaty team. Um, in June, so last month, Arian said he's got co-number one running backs. I contend neither one is a true number one running back and good enough to be a true number one. Well, that's why he said they're co-number ones. Yes. <laughs> um, he's o- Arians has always been the flakiest, flukiest, ficklest, and another F word that I'd love to drop right now. Head coach for running funkiest. backs. Folkiest. Oh. Uh, funkiest? Yeah. Funkiest. Yeah. Um, 
it, drafter either, for, either Fournette or Jones means that you are in a week-to-week crapshoot that you cannot see coming. We could not forecast it last year. I remember so many times trying to figure out the Ronald Jones versus Leonard Fournette thing and simply read the tea leaves, saw the trends, focused on the trends, and, and then, then he flipped it. Yeah, he'd flip it. And, and a lot of times it wouldn't even matter if the guy was any good. No. You know, um, so, yeah, let's start with Leonard Fournette. And probably mm-hmm. he went from a player who was mostly on the bench during the regular season and, yeah. and periodically helping fantasy players and just periodically getting carries. And his usage was super low and weird. And then he crushed through the playoffs and put Ronald Jones on the bench. Mm-hmm. But during the season, he was bad. Just one 100-yard game, and it was sandwiched. He, so, <laughs> Fournette, this is so typical of Arians. He had the one 100-yard game. The game before that, five yards. Yep. The game after that, 15 yards. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to guess that? Well, and the problem is, is his 100-yard game came on, came on only 12 carries. Yeah. So he had to break a few to make mm-hmm. that 100-yard game. It's not like you're going to plan on getting 15 carries for either of these guys, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel comfortable starting a guy on the Tampa running game and and feel like you're gonna get 15, 20 carries. Now, Fournette's always been this soft tissue injury guy, hamstrings mm-hmm. and strains and stuff like that. The light workload kept him healthy for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of your Gronk theory right here. And I wouldn't be surprised. This is probably my biggest contrarian take. Leonard Fournette's going off the board before Ronald Jones. Everybody mm-hmm. remembers the playoffs. Yep. I think you're gonna do the same damn thing. Ronald Jones is the better running back. Every single pro football focus metric okay. has Ronald Jones as the better back. And you can get him later. And you can get him later. You, you, broken tackles, positive run rate, yards after contact, pass blocking, every single thing. Ronald Jones is a better running back than Fournette. And I think that that's going to yield Ronald Jones as the more reliable starter during the regular season. Percentage of your fantasy teams that will have a Buccaneers running back on it this year. Five to ten percent, pretty it's low, low, pretty but low. It's going to be Jones. Fournette will be zero. Okay, Fournette will be zero. Uh, offensive line is borderline awesome. They finished last year's the fifth best line. Everybody's back. Last year's rookie uh, right tackle Tristan Wirfs was stellar. Their left tackle Donovan Smith has improved for seven straight years. The interior line is good. Ali Marpet's a, sta- a standout guy, and they spent a third round pick on utility lineman. Robert Hainsey, who will patch any holes that may develop over the course of the season. So mm-hmm. there you go. Offensive line's very good, setting the rest of that offense up to be very good in Tampa. The riskiest player at his current ADP, Leonard Fournette. Round 33, uh, sorry, round seven, running back 33, mm-hmm. and a disaster during the regular season, the mercurial use. I just, I don't, I don't want any part of that. From a risk standpoint, he's only the seventh round pick, though. But he's running back 33. Yeah, There's better, maybe. way more interesting yeah. guys to me at that level. That's, uh, that's Zach Moss. It's, it's risky, AJ but Dillon, it's not that risky. Gus Edwards. Yeah. I love those guys way more. Um, and the play with the most upside to me is Chris Godwin. Top 10 upside mm-hmm. in PPR formats going at a steep discount because of last year's missed season. I completely agree. Let's take one more break. Okay. All right. We'll take one more break. When we come back, let's talk about the Saints without mm-hmm. Michael Thomas for probably half the year. Oof. Let's hope it's not half the year. Jeez. Well, that's you know that's what we think is going to be the case here. We'll uh, we'll talk that through when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, Tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Fantasy Football Weekly continues. Paul Charchi and Matt Harrison with you. It was already a tricky offense for the Saints because of the quarterback situation, Matt, and now knowing that Michael Thomas, the the one steadying part of Mm -hmm. that passing attack, is going to miss what's expected to be roughly half of the first half of the season. If we're lucky, the first month. Yeah, if we're lucky the first month, but then even if you look at what happened to last year, yeah. you know, it dragged on and he, he was didn't slow come back to go. They so protected him. Slow to come back. Yep. Gosh, who knows? This thing is really frustrating. And so let's talk about an offense that's in major, major flux right now. Yeah, so it's in major flux. But remember, we had the vaporized ghost of Drew Brees last year. It wasn't the real Drew Brees last year. It was some weird, bizarro version of Drew Brees that we'd never seen before. And he was injured, and we got we all thought we were going to get Jameis Winston, and then we got Taysom Hill, and yeah. now we're looking at those two guys battling it out for the quarterback position. Can I tell you my opinion yeah. on this, and you can go? <laughs> go. Taysom Hill can't pass. And sooner or later, I need my quarterback to be able to pass. Yeah. And, you know, you hope to God Jameis Winston isn't the 30-30 guy that he was two years ago. Oh, you mean 30 touchdown passes and 30 rushing touchdowns, right? No, I oh. don't. I mean 30 <laughs> passing touchdowns and 30 interceptions, oh. which is really hard to do to stay on the field there, when you've thrown 30 interceptions. There will be no quarterback ever again who throws 30 interceptions. It's so hard. Um, so they have to have nobody else. Yeah, well, that's part of it, and a lot of teams don't. Yeah. Um, and so, I I think you know Taysom Hill is a great utility weird player that you can plug into different situations. And he can run, he can catch, he can pass, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But I just think you, you can't count on his passing. You never know when to start him because if he doesn't run in a pass, if he does not run, if Taysom Hill does not run you a touchdown, he gets you nothing. Yeah, and it's a disaster for your fantasy team. Is this looking to you, and and maybe this is my read on it too? Is Jameis Winston is the quarterback until they reach the red zone or the infrared zone? Oh, and then be that way. Taysom, Taysom Hill, Hill comes in, comes yeah. in, and yep. gets you know three or four rushing attempts and Ugh. five or six passing attempts per game, and it just cannibalizes all the value 
for Jameis Winston as it well? It could go that way. And, you know, it, it could t- turn Jameis into a 30-touchdown passer into a 20. Yeah. And that's a, then at 20, I've got Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, it's Dagger right Teddy, there. Well, Teddy doesn't has never hit 20, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so um, everybody wants Winston to win this job. ADP reflects it. He's quarterback 29. Hill is quarterback 31. But, again, we probably won't know who the mm-hmm. starting quarterback is. You might not know a week a week or day before the season, we might not know. You might not know after the second drive of the game, yeah. uh, of the first game of the season. Um, let's talk about the wide receivers, though. Michael Thomas was preseason wide receiver number one. Uh, Last obviously, year. Yeah, uh, obviously uh, the injury is going to uh, stop that this year for sure. Um, um, I've re-ranked him at roughly quarterback 50 in regular leagues and for, for guillotine leagues. He's wide receiver Yeah, 50? wide receiver 50. Wow. And basically undraftable in wide in guillotine format. Yeah, I think that that's probably correct. Um, now, he he was going mid-third until now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now he's probably punished into the 10th, tenth. Tenth maybe, 8th. Yeah. Maybe around that Leonard Fournette range where people are starting to take dart throws at mm-hmm. running backs they don't like, and they go, oh, Michael Thomas. Yeah, right. Some Somebody will be dumb enough in a few leagues to go, oh, I'll take him in the fourth round. Yeah, sweet. Um, but now Traquan Smith is probably the top yeah. wide receiver on the board. Oof, what does that say? His ADP was wide receiver 73. So I pushed him in about wide receiver 50 as well. He's very close to Michael Thomas now just yep. because – you know, and losing Michael Thomas hurts the whole offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, no part of the offense is better. They're going to score less touchdowns. They'll cross the 50 less often. They'll kick less field goals. I mean, every part of it's bad. But Traquan Smith will see more passes. Yeah, he only had 50 targets last year um, and was very inconsistent in his role with Emmanuel Sanders there as well. Mm-hmm. And he's he, gone too. If he can get close to 100 this year with both of those guys gone, I mean, he's probably teetering close to 900, 1,000 yards maybe in like six-ish touchdowns. Yeah, he's been so unreliable. He's been but yeah, so it's unreliable. Just sheer volume, maybe it helps. Uh, and then there's Deontay Harris, who's the other wide receiver on roster. Yeah. I, I have to think that the Saints are in the market for the scrap heap of wide receivers who are let go for one reason or another mm-hmm. during camp, or maybe they're involved in a trade. I saw a trade floated out there today. Latavius Murray uh, to the Rams for Van Jefferson and and a draft pick or something along those lines, which would be really interesting because yeah. Van Jefferson would instantly walk in and be wide receiver one on that roster. You'd have to give up more than yeah. You'd have to give up more than Latavius Murray, but Latavius yes. Murray and probably. But you some are picks, that's yeah. the kind of team you're looking for a team that's deep at receiver. Mm-hmm. It's got somebody that they can that's you know movable. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, Adam Troutman's kind of an interesting guy. He's getting drafted right around Janu and Gronk right now at tight mm-hmm. end 18. Uh, Troutman is the the tight end one there right now. Jared Cook is gone. Uh, and tight ends have been heavily utilized in New Orleans going back to Jimmy Graham and beyond Jeremy Shockey with those flowing blonde locks. Mm-hmm. Uh, since 2019, the Saints are one of five teams to record 20-plus tight end touchdowns. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, and then Alvin Kamara. He's like probably the only guy that you can feel kind of confident uh, drafting on your roster. Again, I'll, I'll mention it. You know, Losing Michael Thomas hurts everybody, including Kamara. It does. But, man, could he get a lot of use in this offense now. Oof. Well, they did re-sign him to that giant deal last last, last season. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's their bell cow. He's their mm-hmm. workhorse. Although... They've never used him as a true bell cow runner. 
He's only got one career regular season game with 20-plus carries. That was the Christmas double hat trick against the Vikings last year. I will never forget it because I lost two championships <laughs> playing against Alvin Kamara. You know, uh, and that was on the Saturday game. Remember that? Yeah. And so you're rolling into Sunday going, well, I've lost. It's over. I got my whole roster to go, yeah. and I've already lost. Uh, that game was also one of his two career games with 100-plus rushing yards. But that's it. He's been an, amazing. He's been an absolute monster in the passing game, mm-hmm. and with no passing targets to oh, be found. Yeah. They're going to throw to him a lot. He might break the record this year for receptions by a running back. Uh, in the red zone, since 2018, he has the most red zone targets among running backs with 56. James White is second with 49, and Zeke is third with 36. But the two main concerns are, number one, Taysom Hill, mm-hmm. who could snipe a whole bunch of red zone stuff for him. And he did snipe a fair amount when he started last year. Yeah, and you're also looking at Latavius Murray, who mm-hmm. does get work near the stripe. But also, his his biggest concern is they don't have any other weapons right now. I know. They got nothing else. Defenses and, are going to show it, up it, with it, a game plan that just says, take Alvin Kamara away it's and the Saints can't beat you. Eight in the box and, and yep. see what they can do. I mean... Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Sean Payton and you got Pete Carmichael, who are great offensive minds. They've been together in New Orleans for 12 years. Yeah. Maybe they can see this through. They did rank fifth in points per game last year, and they were fifth in run percent last year wow. at 47%. So this might be the heaviest run offense in the league. So, I mean, Kamara, he's not the riskiest. Michael Thomas is obviously the riskiest play. But uh, Kamara can be right up there in, in the risk value because you just don't ha- have the, the confidence that he's going to get 20-plus touches a game, and you got to draft him at pick number four. The right. player with the most upside on this Saints roster, in my opinion, and feel free to agree. Sure. Or not. <laughs> uh, you probably won't. Is Adam Troutman. I think so, too. You know, Adam yeah. Troutman, you know, going off the board at wider, at tight end 18, I've got him right now on my sheet after this injury. I mm-hmm. believe I got him at tight end 11. I just think he, he's... Super athletic, and if you at, and I look at the rest of this roster, and I don't see room for people to get a lot better than they've already shown. Troutman can get a lot better, and I wonder if how much of this offense is passing offense won't end up going to Troutman, and especially um, when Taysom Hill needs high percentage passes because he's not a good passer, mm-hmm. and it feels like a lot of dump off stuff to the tight end. Well, yeah, and Jameis Winston is an air it out kind of guy, so right. it, it doesn't. None of this stuff seems to make sense and play together where you can feel like you can forecast it really accurately this season. Maybe Will Lutz is the uh, highest upside play, (laughs) kicking 52-yard bombs. Might have to. (laughs) You might have to. Uh, Let's go to the Atlanta Falcons. A new coaching staff led by former Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. But we can't automatically assume that Smith's going to be anywhere near as run heavy with the Falcons as he was when he had Derrick Henry at his disposal. But it's probably safe to assume that this team won't rank 24th in run percentage like they did last year. They will run more. It was a terrible, terrible stable of running backs last year. And Mike Davis. Gurley was so cooked. Mike Davis looked a lot better than anything that they had last year. He did, especially in the first half of the season. Mm -hmm. But I thought he really wore down. And we'll talk a little bit more about him uh, now. Smith, by the way, uh, Arthur Smith says he's looking back at Kyle Shanahan's schemes when he was offensive coordinator of the Falcons. Okay. Which is pretty smart. I mean, that was their Super Bowl year. and (laughs) Look at what worked here. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Even though most of the personnel has changed, but the one thing it hasn't, of course, is Matt Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, And... 
Ryan, the statistically last year he looked a lot like the Matt Ryan of the previous year. But if you watched Matt Ryan, you saw inaccuracy that we had never seen before, failure to diagnose and read plays that we had never seen before, missing open receivers. He started to look broken, and I am mm-hmm. worried about his effectiveness at age 36. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly shaky with downfield passing. On deep passes of more than 20 yards, Ryan threw the most interceptions and four touchdowns. Mm. That's it. All year, four touchdowns was second worst among starters. That's scary. That is on deep passing, and that, and then you add in the loss of Julio Jones. Obviously, that's significant. Will Kyle Pitts help? Probably, but not enough to offset Julio Jones. Does that torpedo your value of Calvin Ridley? Well, I'm glad you transitioned to Calvin Ridley. I think he's going to see a monstrous target share like most people do. Sure. Uh, considering the quality of the other wideouts, and it's not new territory for Ridley, who was the go-to receiver. He was the number one receiver last year. With Julio Jones limping through the whole thing, he led the team in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So, you know, it's not like we're asking Calvin Ridley to assume the mantle of number one, and we don't know if he can do it. Mm -hmm. He did it last year. Yeah. Um, He topped 100 yards in five of the seven games Julio Jones missed last year. All right. That makes me feel great. Yep. He averaged 11 targets in non-Julio Jones games last year. And that's when teams were game planning for him. Right. And they didn't have a Kyle Pitts. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, He's a great downfield target. He led the league in both ADOT and air yards last year. Ridley did. Uh, only just he tied Justin Jefferson for the most twenty yard catches last year. Ooh! So I mean, Ridley's great. You can you can defend a case to make Ridley wide receiver one. It's a defensible case. Okay. I don't have him there. I think I got him at five. Okay. Um, but that is that's a case you can make. Uh, underwent offseason foot surgery. Didn't participate in the team's offseason program, but he's expected to be ready for training camp. Your slot receiver is Russell Gage, who figures to be third or fourth in targets which makes him viable for a roster spot. He saw 109 targets last year. Russell Gage did. Really? Yeah, with all those Julio Jones missed games. I know. It does feel that way. 109's a lot. Yeah. Yes, he didn't turn it into much. That's like what Mike Evans had last year. Um, He had one of the shortest A dots in the league. Average distance of throws, and that was um, that's one of the problems that he had. Uh, you know, when you're getting the ball at the line of scrimmage, it's hard to be meaningful with that. And Absolutely. that's how you only score four touchdowns on the season. But Gage has some real PPR upside. Yeah. And no way he's under the 109 targets he had last year. Well, and adding a, a tight end like Kyle Pitts to that mix probably helps free up your slot receiver just a little bit more. Agreed. So I, 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 really, I really like that from that standpoint. The other starting receiver is expected to be a battle. Last year, it was Olamide Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Um, now in his third year after being undrafted, he doesn't do much for me, honestly. I, I, don't, I didn't. He did not seem to splash in any way that no. I saw. And the worry here is that Kyle Pitts is going to be closer to a wide receiver than a tight end. Mm-hmm. And if he does that, then Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is out of Or is out Christian of the Blake or Cordero Patterson, who's yeah. now in Atlanta. Right. Yeah, those guys are probably. Correct. So let's talk Pitts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the storyline nobody wants to hear about Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah, you know, I know I've you been, know. I've been doing radio with you a long, long time. Exactly. <laughs> There's way more variation in possible outcome than people realize with Pitts. Even though he is a great talent and he looks as promising as any tight end that, that's come out in years. But 
And by the way, I mean, if they basically just don't make him a tight end and they just let mm-hmm. him play wide receiver, then I really like Kyle Pitts. And I think he can live up to his draft status. But right now his ADP is wide is tight end four. Yeah. Four. Yeah. So let's talk about that. And in Dynasty, it gets a lot he's more tight end one. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. For redrafts. <laughs> yeah. Dynasty redrafts, yeah. he's tight end one. Um, and he's in the conversation for the number one pick. In, in dynasty, rookie in rookie dynasty drafts, you can mm-hmm. you know you can take him first of all if you wanted to. Um, he's got a, he's got to battle Hayden Hurst, who is a good player and a veteran player mm-hmm. who knows everything he needs to know about you know how to conduct himself, how to pass, protect, how to run block, and everything else. He has all the advantages of being a of a former first round tight end. I mean, yeah. Hayden Hurst is not bad, yeah. and. Remember, even though we have a new coaching staff, this is a team just two years ago spent a second and fifth round pick to acquire Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. So they still want some, the front office would still like some return on that investment. And I think as excited as we get as fantasy owners about the new exciting rookie, how many times are we frustrated at how long it takes for him to take over for the veteran? Mm. Charge, can I, can I, combat you a little bit on this oh please uh where was arthur smith last year he was in tennessee and who was his really athletic tight end Janu, 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 and i love Janu, Janu. <laughs> and how they utilized Janu, Janu in that while offense. he was healthy it, they with, used to utilize it, him a lot in a similar kind of thing where they had mm-hmm. an alpha wide receiver and aj brown mm-hmm. i i th- i think that hunter or hayden hurst sorry not hunter henry too many no. double h tight ends hayden hurst Becomes that blocking veteran savvy tight end who can be out there. But I think they use Kyle Pitts more like a little slash player, a little wide receiver, maybe a few runs out of the backfield like they did with Mm -hmm. Janu Janu. Maybe he's just kind of that weird X factor. And because they're using him more as an X factor, they are not, he doesn't have the similar tight end rookie numbers that we've seen from years past. So let's try to talk about the rookie numbers for oh, tight ends. Because I, I mean, we can, it's but it's, not, it's awful. It's not good. So tight end is a complicated position mm-hmm. that takes tip most most of the elite, even Hall of Fame bound tight ends, yeah. typically needed their third year to really have it all click. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what history says. If we go back through two decades of first <laughs> round tight ends two decades of first round tight ends their average rookie season mm-hmm. is tight end 32 Sounds averaging right. 30 yards 350 sorry 30 receptions 358 yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. that is a disaster season that's first rounders over 20 years that but you might say whoa 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 charge oh, well. this guy <laughs> Kyle Pitts is way better than other first round tight ends yep. so let's let's hone it into just tight ends taken in the first 10 picks okay over the last oh, 20 well, years that's been a disaster because Detroit keeps taking them that average is somehow worse, <laughs> averaging 20 catches, 232 yards, and one and a half touchdowns on the season. Tight end, 50. All right. For tight ends taken in the first 10 picks over the last 20 years, that's their first season average. Want to play an over-under game? Sure. Uh, do you think Kyle Pitts will have over or under 64 receptions? Over the last 20 years, one 
tight end has exceeded 64 receptions in their rookie year. So I will say under. Okay. How about 722 yards? Um. Well, you're giving me Evan Ingram's I'm numbers. I'm giving you Evan Ingram's rookie numbers. So I will say. Do you say... think he has a better rookie season than Evan Ingram's best tight end rookie season of all time, which was 64 for 722 and six scores? I feel if if they line him up as a wide receiver, and mm-hmm. we don't know, then I think he can exceed those numbers, yeah. and and probably by a, a, a bit of a margin. But if Kyle Pitts is asked to play a more traditional tight end role, mm-hmm. then he's just mathematically he's very unlikely to hit those. So if if he gets just Evan Engram's rookie numbers, and he's in line with the best rookie tight end season of all time, then he's tight end. Then the tight end four. Is about right. Yep, because then he finishes, if we're looking at last year's numbers, even with TJ Hawkinson at tight end number five. Yeah, that's that's about right. So it's just, I, I you know, again, I realize nobody wants to hear this about Kyle Pitts. It's sure. such a great story and he's such a great talent, but so he's it might the biggest be one risk. Early. He's the biggest risk. Absolutely. He is. ADP of round four for a rookie tight end. He has to buck 20 years of trend. Yeah. To pay off on that. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. And considering TJ Hawkinson's going... I'd uh, rather have Hawkinson. Well, I, I think that I would, too. I have actually Hawkinson ranked higher. I do, too. Um, but the ADP's significantly later. Lower. You can get, yeah. get, get him a round or two later. And I think that you have safety. And Hawkinson, he's going to be just an absolute beast as, as far as targets this year in Detroit. So Earlier today, yeah. I talked to Dan Miller, the play-by-play voice of the Lions. Yeah. And we talked about this. Their wide receivers are horrible. Lions will be losing in almost every game, and Hawkinson's going to be a target hog. 130 targets for Hawkinson. And Goff's not a big downfield thrower. No. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, if you're thinking, well, Goff's tight ends never did much, but if you were to have combined, we talked about this when we broke down the Rams a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. if you were to combine Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby together into sure. one tight end, you had tight end five last year. It was a super tight end. It was a super <laughs> tight end. A robo <laughs> tight end. Um, let's talk Mike Davis, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. We're, yeah. we're running long. We've already, it's our longest podcast yet. Well, I like to talk. Yeah, I like it's to been a while. To it has. <laughs> uh, Mike Davis, uh, probably the last of the workhorse running backs who's yeah. getting drafted. Um, his competition for running back looks is Kadri Allison, undrafted rookie Javian Hawkins, and if Cordell Patterson is a running back, then Cordell Patterson. <laughs> Super low mileage at 28 years old. 28 feels a little old for running backs, but he's had so little use. But he did wear down over the course of last season when they asked him to be the starter all year. Mm -hmm. I think his rushing is pretty average. Um, He averaged only 0.09 yards over expectations, uh, expectation by next-gen stats, and 3.9 yards per carry last year was pretty disheartening for Mike Davis. Sure. Positives are these. His positive run rate was 84%, so that was good. Mm -hmm. His broken tackle rate was 19%, which was good Mm -hmm. by league standards. And he averaged 2.7 yards after contact. Those are all positives. And he's a very good receiver, 59 receptions last year. But he only turned 59 receptions into 373 yards and two scores. 
Okay. He's probably looking at a very low average depth of target last year with Teddy Bridgewater in the Carolina offense. That is true. It was probably a negative average depth <laughs> yeah, of target might have for been. him. Now, Arthur Smith <laughs> never threw to his running backs, but he had Derrick Henry there, so don't know really if how much he'll throw to Mike Davis, but Davis is a good receiver, and the hope is that he gets at least the same 59 receptions that he got last year. Uh, plus, they've had the, the pictures floating around Twitter of, you know, the quads of Mike Davis right yeah, now. They, you know, they are epic quads. Pretty good quads right there. Epic but, quads. And, and he also sure. has two knees, which uh, the lead back also in Atlanta yeah. didn't have last year. Exactly. Exactly. Um, last thing I'll mention very briefly, offensive line below average, but not horrible. Uh, Jake Matthews is solid. Mm-hmm. Right tackle, uh, Caleb McGarry, better in his second season, but still liability in pass blocking. Uh, right guard, Chris Lindstrom, former first-round pick, very good. Uh, and But overall, this is just a middle-of-the-pack line, and they have to replace veteran center Alex Mack, who went over to San Francisco. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about that San Francisco offense this year is Alex Mack now yeah. being there. Uh, they're going to have ask a rookie probably, um, Drew Dahlman or a sophomore Matt Hennessy to play that, and they've neither one is – they're totally green. Mm-hmm. So something of a worry there. So your riskiest player at ADP is Kyle Pitts. The player with the most upside, I think, is Russell Gage. Wide receiver, 55, and could be sitting at 120 targets. And you'd maybe think, more you'd than think it's got to be an, a little bit of an uptick from last yeah. year. And I didn't know he had 109 last year. Yeah, yeah. Where'd so, that come from? Yeah, where did that come from? Uh, great job. It's Thank nice you. to have you back on the show, man. Yeah. Hey, shockfantasy.com, uh, mm-hmm. promo code CHEATER. 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 Okay. Yeah. That'll get you a year-long membership to Shock Fantasy for only 25 bucks. All right. Well, with that discount, it does feel like I'm cheating. It, I'm that, cheating yeah. the system. Cheating the system and getting your cheat sheets. I like that. Yeah, there you Outstanding. Go. Shock Fantasy. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week to break down the NFC North, our final of the divisional uh, breakdowns. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.